Welcome to In the Envelope, a podcast from Backstage, the number one resource for actors and talent seekers. I am your host, Jack Smart, awards editor at Backstage, and I'm here to guide you through every aspect of the entertainment industry with the help of some of your favorite stars. These intimate, inspirational conversations with today's most award-worthy film, television, and theater artists provide you, dear listener, advice on how to live the creative life, personal stories of success and failure alike, and maybe, just maybe, a tantalizing glimpse in the envelope. lot comes with just keeping at it you know experience goes a long way for just comfort and and life life gives you more things to draw from right so I expect that will keep happening as as I go welcome listeners to another episode of in the envelope Here we are in the thick of Emmy season. In fact, I suppose the last official Emmys 2021 episode of this year, because, listeners, the primetime Emmy ceremony is happening September 19th. However, voting, what we call phase two voting on the primetime Emmys, closes this Monday, April 30th. So today's episode lands squarely in that voting window. If you are an Emmy voter and you are listening to this, I hope you will consider the work of today's guest, Julianne Nicholson, uh, a terrific character actress, character actor. As you will hear, she embraces that term for anyone who uh, disappears into their role and does amazing transformative work. This is a really craft-focused interview. We got into it in terms of the many different tools in the toolbox of how to approach any, any given role. Julianne Nicholson has, has performed as part of big ensembles on stage and screen, She's performed the quirky character actor type on long-running series, but also the main role on a show like Law & Order Criminal Intent. Um, If you've seen the incredible August Osage County or I, Tanya, you know what we're talking about. But mostly, of course, we had to touch on Mayor of East Town, which Julianne is nominated for in the limited series Supporting Actress category alongside her co-star Jean Smart, also friend of this podcast, alongside Katherine Hahn, also friend of this podcast. Also Renee Lee Goldberg. Anyway, anyway, so excited about the Emmys. So excited about Julianne's role in Mayor of Easttown. I'm so happy we got to feature this amazing series, limited series. Go back and listen to a recent casting director episode featuring the casting director of this show, A.V. Kaufman. But uh, actors, I hope you are listening to this and I hope you are taking notes. This, I would say like most of our craft-focused actorly interviews, is a taking notes type of interview. Julianne, if you are listening to this, thank you so much for joining us and thank you for your insights. I really think actors are going to get so much out of this. All right, let's take a quick break to hear from today's sponsor and then get to Julianne Nicholson. Backstage's In the Envelope podcast sponsors include HBO Max, presenting The Flight Attendant. Nominated for nine Primetime Emmy Awards, including Outstanding Comedy Series and Outstanding Lead Actress in a Comedy Series for Kaylee Cuoco, The Flight Attendant is now streaming for your consideration on HBO Max. 
Julianne Nicholson has turned her talent and on-camera charisma into a Hollywood career full of fascinating roles, from Kinsey, Black Mass, and I, Tanya, to Law & Order, Criminal Intent. She's earned awards recognition for Tully, Masters of Sex, and August Osage County, and is now nominated at the upcoming Emmy Awards for her work on HBO's limited series from Brad Inglesby and Kate Winslet, Mayor of Easttown. Here is the incandescent Julianne Nicholson. And then I'll just start um, recording and... Yeah, you could start now. That's fine. Jack, you're all rolling and everything. I am. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I'm going to leave you guys to it. All right, thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jamie. Um, Julianne, hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm pausing for the airplane that clearly just went overhead. Is that... Can you hear it? I can't. <laughs> I cannot. I oh, yep. Jamie can. Modern day podcasting. Yes. 2021 podcasting. Okay. I'm clearly in my home. Uh, where are you? I am also in my home in, uh, in LA. Okay. I wasn't sure because I knew you were a New Yorker, at least at some point. Yes. And I sort of think of you as like a New York theater actor. <laughs> I, I like, I like that. I like that. It's <laughs> Good, sort of yeah. also true. It's what I, you know, what I, which feels right to me and it's where I got started. So it feels like the right. Yeah. Um, how familiar are you with backstage? Well, I mean, I've read it off and on for about 25 years. Great. Uh, yeah. That's, great. <laughs> That's what we want to hear. Yeah. Good. It wasn't ever like um, early career acting days using backstage for casting notices. I don't think I ever did that, but I always, but I knew of it since I started taking acting classes, knowing that that was, mm. that that was available. And that was one of the ways that you guys um, helped people out. Mm, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, we're, so we're all about the craft and acting advice, of course. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask so you for cool. all of your deepest darkest secrets oh, and your, fantastic. your process and all of that so take me back to the beginning like why I always like to ask like why acting it's the big question but it is the big question I I um I, f I feel like it's sort of for me it's a little bit unanswerable though I mean of course if you do a deep dive I'm sure there's many many reasons for me when I was a kid um I remember watching Wizard of Oz and just being blown away by uh, by that whole story and that world that they created, and in particular, Dorothy's journey. Um, also, I did a couple of plays when I was in younger school, like in elementary school, and just had so much fun and wanted to, you know, always wanted a, b a bigger role and um, just wanted to be in it. I remember I did one show and I mean, it was an elementary school. So each grade did a color of the rainbow. And my, my grade, I think was, that was when I was in either second or third grade, we had red. So we were, we did, it was like, a, it was a play on a fire and we were firemen and they had this like <sighs> fake, um, they built this like little house that looked like a building. And there was one girl up there who's like, you know, help, help. And I was one of the firemen, but I had, my ladder was too short. <laughs> And she like knocks a flower pot on my head and I pass out and just got a laugh. And it was just, uh, it was just fun. I know the aha moment. Bit got by a the laugh. Yeah, yeah. With the laugh. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then it was sort of, you know, another, I don't know, 15 years later where I actually, 
started thinking of pursuing it in a real way and not have it be just a dream. Right. Like there was a turning point where you were like, oh, it could actually be a a way to make a living. Well, no. I mean, it it was still a dream when I started, I think, because there's just Mm. so much. You read your whole life about, you know, the luck Mm. and the the opportunities and the chance and the talent and all the things that it takes to actually be able to make a living at it. But I thought at least I had to give it a try. And I felt like having lived in New York for a few years and, um, being working in restaurants and meeting other people who did it and would get jobs, you know, here and there on Mm. whether it was like episodic TV shows or independent movies. And I met a teacher that I loved, Sheila Gray, who's in New York, um, and met a manager who took me on as like a will see. And then it was after a couple of years uh, that it felt like, oh, I maybe I can also take care of myself. <laughs> I can provide sure. for myself with this as well as just love doing it. You were aware of the challenges and the inevitability of rejection? Well aware, yeah. yeah. I don't think I spent, too, I couldn't have spent too long thinking about those things or I never put, would have gone <laughs> gone through with it. But yes, I, you know, I feel yeah. like you always hear that before anything else. Or you used to, I don't know now with like TikTok <laughs> and all the other avenues, YouTube that people have to getting there. I feel like I have, I have no idea how it works now. Sure. I mean, I think I kind of think it's a great point. Like you, you don't want to dwell on it too much. You want to be aware that there's rejection, but you don't want to set yourself up for like that inevitability too much. No, exactly. And also don't take it on too hard when it comes, because nine times out of 10, it's not about you. There's like any number of reasons why something may or may not work. Totally. We always think everyone's thinking about us much more than they are. Absolutely. And in those early kind of, you were in New York, what was the exact, um, were you taking acting classes? I know there was also modeling in there. Yes. So I moved to New York when I was 18, um, with a modeling agency and Mm. did that for about probably the first year I was there. Um, but didn't really, I didn't really like that. There was like you know, that's rejection and a whole other thing. And if for me, like taking the picture was not worth the rejection. Like for me, okay. the rejection was worth like when you did get a role in acting. But for me, just like what felt like just the the thing of like showing someone your pictures and having them flip through it while you sit there and watch was just like so painful. <laughs> and you yeah. don't usually, I didn't usually get the job. I got enough of them, but it was like, it didn't, it didn't even out for me. So anyway, and I was just so happy to be in New York and I started working in restaurants and that was just much more fun. Interesting that the the survival gig was, was part of the maybe craft, like maybe it's people watching. And- I, I think so. I think that ultimately, you know, I, I sort of consider when I really started acting or when I really found a class that made sense to me, I was 24 and I'm really grateful for those five years of just living in the city and working and going out and meeting all different kinds of people. And I started going to school at Hunter College to sort of explore like what other options could be. Mm. I feel very grateful and do think that um, that, that, you know, makes me who I am, which makes makes uh, how I do what I do. <laughs> mm hmm. And just a point of clarification, the Hunter College, did you graduate? I didn't. I went for two and a half years during the day while I was um, working at night. And then, but that, and it was because you were like, I'm ready to pursue acting. Yeah. Cool. That's so cool. That's just, (laughs) I mean, it takes such um, courage, but it really sounds like you were aware of what 
a career in acting would take. I think, and, I mean, I think so. I had, I had an idea of it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And so how much of those like early days, like um, where does your training come from? You mentioned these classes. Were there like, was there one formative experience? Like, cause we always like to ask, are there, are there things that you do for every role? You've played so many different roles. Right. There aren't set things now that I do for every role, but I think, I think a lot comes with just keeping at it. You know, experience sure. goes a long way for just comfort and yeah, and life. Life gives you more things to draw from, right? So, um, and I expect that will keep happening as as I go. But I did also mm-hmm. have this teacher, as I mentioned, Sheila Gray, and she taught three. She wasn't with the school; she rented the little spot in um, on West Thirty Ninth Street, like Ninth Avenue, and there was a really cool mix of people in that class at the time. So for me, it was very exciting. There was a basic exercise class, a scene and monologue class, and an improv class. And I would sort of rotate um, between the three of them, depending on, you know, my shifts at work or how much money I had. And and it was, and I did that for a couple of years. And I would say probably after the first year is when I uh, met a manager who took me on, as I said, like, I will see and started submitting me for like just auditions. I think just to like get my feet wet and start not be petrified every time I just walked in a room, like in a blackout. (laughs) Okay. Um, which is what it felt like. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Good. It was so scary. I remember the first time she sent me out the, I can't remember who the casting person was. I wish, I wish I could. She's like, she's a little green. I was like, yes. But you know, oh. you have to get used to just even like, I felt like even speaking, because then you would go to a mm. casting person's office and there would be someone taping you. And I would just get so nervous. Because we love asking about auditions, of course, as yeah. you can imagine. Yes. And and how the philosophy sort of changes over time, because I feel like, yeah, early, early, you have to be green. Of course, yeah. that's part of it. Yeah. Or do you think you're, you're, have you gotten better at auditions, first of all? But second of I, I'm all, I'm sure. Yeah. Sorry. What's second? Are you still do, are you still doing them? How like when was the last time you auditioned? I uh, I put myself on tape, which I do not enjoy at all. I know okay. some people love it. Like, oh, you're you're at home, you can do it again. I do yeah. not like it at all. I would much rather any day of the week go to someone's office and have that experience. I think yeah. it's because how it's how I started, and but also I just feel like, you know how am I screaming bloody murder in the room next to where I'm going to be like, I just prepped, you know, dinner. It just doesn't, for me, like it doesn't, (laughs) I find sort of, you know, giving into another story more challenging. Um, Mm. I, so uh, very, I don't, I haven't auditioned too much in the last couple of years, but I still do. And I think, oh, that's, I had actually, I had another, I had a couple auditions this year. Another one for an, another project, a few like just Zooms and auditions and then re- reading does. chemistry reads, Zoom chemistry reads, hot stuff, yeah. hot stuff. That's like an oxymoron. I, exactly, you can't actually make eye contact. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I was like, oh, bye job. It's, I didn't get it. <laughs> I didn't get that, that one, which was and actually you were a sure. blow. Yeah, I know. I was like, I don't know how this is going to work. And then I was like, yeah, that's exactly pretty much how I thought it would go. Um, oh, no. I know. It was actually, that one was a blow. Normally it's like, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Like you can make peace with it. You know, I'll get the next one or something else. And then every once in a while, still like 25 years in, I was like, that's, Sucks. Yeah, because you, of course, you get attached to certain roles, even if you just have a handful of pages. 
of know, that character. I know, I really did. There's certain ones, not 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 usually, but there's certain ones that still like get in immediately. Um, yeah, but I uh, sometimes I don't mind auditioning because I feel like, especially if I feel like the character is wildly different from who I am, then I feel like it's an opportunity to show the director what I would do with it. Like I did. Mm. Um, Andrew Dominic, this wonderful Australian director, did uh, an adaptation of Blonde, Joyce Carol Oates, about uh, Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. And um, I play her mother when she's a child and then again 20 years later. And I didn't think I had any chance in hell to get that one. So I was happy to go in and be like, do it and then get the job because I feel like he saw Mm. something there. Whereas I would have been more nervous showing up to work if it had been just an offer. If that makes sense. Sure. Absolutely. And and it's been said on this podcast before, like the the offer means that you have it f- may feel like you haven't earned it. A little <laughs> like bit. Fought for it. Yeah. I yeah. don't feel that way anymore now, actually, because I have so I've done so many different things. It's like also I can come in and, and we can talk about it if you don't like my version of it. We can like work on it to change it together. But now yes. I feel like I've done enough to be like why don't you just give me the job? <laughs> Not everybody <laughs> shares my feelings, but I actually do feel like now, like, please, please just take like 20 minutes and just do a little yeah. research and let's go from there. Well, it's like you said too, it, it just does come down to experience. You yes. just work these muscles. And we always ask for worst audition horror story. I mean, you mentioned these roles that you get attached to. Do you have like a nightmare? <laughs> I don't. I mean, unless I've just like blocked it out. I don't, I don't think I've had... No, but I mean, I've walked out of auditions and you look down and you realize you've worn the wrong shirt. You know what I mean? You have like pit marks down to your waist or something oh. where you just like it's a sweaty mess and you just feel like, uh, that's <laughs> I'm totally comfortable. And it's like, no, you're not. At all. Um, I do. That does remind me, though, I just shared this story with my husband, I think not long ago, which was like not an audition, but my very first day on a set. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I did a, a small film called Curtain Call. Uh, mm-hmm. It was an independent film in the in mid early mid-90s. And um, Peter Yates, this wonderful director, was the, he was the director, and Sven Nykvist, um was the DP. And it was with Maggie Smith and Michael Caine and James Spader. <laughs> and I was like, whoa! I also, I loved James Spader in um, Pretty in Pink. I just thought he, like, uh-huh. I loved him so much. So it was all very exciting to me. And I showed up the first day and it was with the three of them. And I was, again, petrified, like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is actually happening. And with like real people, real actors and like a real movie, (laughs) I hope I could do it. And they said, "Okay, we rehearsed it. And then they said, "Okay, now we're going to shoot it. Rolling action. I'm doing it, walking, saying my lines. They said, cut. I was like, oh, God, I wonder what happened. They said, Julianne, are you on your mark? I was like, Uh, I was like, uh my mark? What's my mark? It's not a thing in theater. I was like, is there? No, but I had never even, I hadn't done a play either. I'd only, and they just said, is there a piece of tape on the ground? And I was like, oh yeah, oh yes. Over right there. It was like two feet away from me. Like, yeah, that's where you want to, that's where you want to land. They assumed that you knew this. Yes. Also continuity. Like the idea of you have to take your jacket off roughly the same time and you have to put it in the same place. Like. Oh yeah. I didn't know. No one's taught me those things. That's a, that's a, a learn as you go. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. It actually is super interesting to hear the actor, the film actor's first day on set. And it's rarely goes swimmingly. No, I bet. <laughs> I bet it's all, it's so new. 
Yeah. Also, you were really tossed into the deep end with Maggie Smith and Michael. Yeah. But you know what? They were so nice to me. They were so nice to me. I think because I was so clearly like out of my depth that they could just be generous. (laughs) Sure. Sure. And they've probably done that with many actors, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I bet they've had a few first days with people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is there a difference for you between the approaching stage acting versus screen acting? Not really. Though I, I think that I, I thought that for a long time and, and the, because mm. I sort of got my start in film work, um, stage work really scared me because I thought I, I was late to come to theater, even as an audience member. I wasn't part of my, I would sell oh, okay. a couple of plays sort of in my high school years and with my grandmother or whatever, but it was few and far between. And so, um, I don't know. I thought you did have to act differently. You had to like change your voice and project mm. more. And I thought that actually somehow got at like truth or something. I don't know what I thought, but um, sure. something that I do love about doing a play is that the, I mean, the rehearsal process, you get a month uh-huh. of like every day, eight hours, really working on it and really understanding it and exploring it and playing and making mistakes and going deep that's the best part of a play for me. And then like the first couple of shows and then it's like, oh my God, we have to do it again. <laughs> Didn't we do this? Yeah. Um, yeah. That is different. So that's, so that's the difference. Like trying to keep it alive every night, trying not to like go for certain beats because it's so unreliable what will work one night to the next. Yeah. But in terms of the storytelling, I think it's pretty, for me, it's pretty similar how you get into the character and, what you want to do with it. It's all craft. Yeah. I think so. And I think um, this is where I can, I, I certainly have to ask you about Lori and mayor of Easttown and maybe that's where I can, we can get to the, the craft and the process. But I first wanted to ask you, um, what is your take on the term character actor? I'm a fan. Okay. Yeah. I'm a fan. I think it means, you play, I mean, I guess maybe there, if there's an, if there's an idea that that means you can't be the lead, like I don't buy that. Uh, right. Personally. It doesn't necessarily, it's not synonymous It doesn't disqualify. No, I don't think so. For me, character means like you're playing different roles. You're, you're trying to do something different. You're trying to be unrecognizable from one, one part to the next. Like, so I, I'm, I'm fine. I, I like it. I think it's nice. I think it's much, for, to me, it's much more interesting than like. I don't know, being a traditional lead actor. Yeah. Well, and like you said, you you find the roles that are the least like you. Are they the most rewarding? Are they the most challenging? Both? I just want to do something different. For me, it's fun yeah. to just do something different, to challenge myself and and challenge people's expectations as well. Okay. I was going to ask, like, yeah, are you thinking about audience expectations or the industry's expectations? Sometimes, sometimes yes. And sometimes no, sometimes I I don't have the luxury to be worrying about that. But other times, like now, for instance, I have to like, I'm going to be very cautious about what I do next because of the Mm. success of Mare and right on the heels of the outsider. They're not the same character, but it's like, you know, it's a pretty dark world. There's like trauma happening. Um, Both HBO. Both HBO, yeah. So I and uh, so for me, the next thing I don't want to do that. I don't want to be in a dark, a dark show about a murder where I'm like su- suffering some deep grief. 
Sure. And it sounds like Marilyn Monroe's mom is- A lot of laughs. Going to be, oh God. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Uh, It's pretty grim, but but that's like at least a different- Yeah. And she's she's actually more extreme. It, the character is more extreme than cool. than those than um, Laurie or I loved The Outsider too. Yeah, thank you. Um, I also meant to say congratulations on your Emmy nomination. It's so well deserved. Thank you very much. Thanks. Can I ask you to describe Laurie and like her her arc? Sure. Um, Laurie, I think is well to me. All of those characters are so tied to where they are. Delco, Northeast, outside Mm. of a city. Um, So for me, Mm. she's uh, strong, smart, um, working class Mm -hmm. wife and mother. She's loyal. She's no bullshit. But I also think she likes to laugh. Mm. Yeah. She doesn't get them much in this moment, but. (laughs) Yeah. Well, certainly the way it ends. I mean, we can't talk about this without uh, giving spoilers. So any uh, listeners of this podcast who haven't seen the ending of Mare, I guess you got to skip ahead or I don't know. But um, you, correct me if I'm wrong, did not know the ending. And you were reading scripts as it came. Well, yes and no. I I knew I knew the whole story before we started filming. Mm-hmm. But I had only received the first six episodes before I agreed to do the job. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I knew I had I read the first six episodes, and then with much discussion with Kate and and Brad, the writer, and other creatives of the show, they didn't give me um, details, mm. but they gave me uh, a lot of encouragement that there was a lot that happened in that last episode. Mm-hmm. Um. For Lori and with Lori and Mare. Mm-hmm. It's always interesting to ask about TV specifically and this idea of plot versus character development. Are you as an actor mostly focused on character and less worried about what's going to happen to the character? Does that make sense? Yeah, um, I think it depends sort of job to job. Like that one, mm-hmm. Mare, I, I loved the story. I loved, it wasn't so much necessarily about mm. Lori for me in the first few episodes. I, I liked her. I recognized her. I thought it would be fun to play her, especially opposite Kate, especially within that story and with Brad and HBO and um, Craig. So, but it becomes more the character when you start playing them, of course, because wow. then they get under your skin and then you're more invested in what's going to happen to that person. And even as I read along and I didn't know the ending, there was a moment where I thought, oh no, is Laurie the killer? Have, uh-huh. I, just, have I just agreed to do the show and now I'm the murderer? <laughs> I've killed a teen girl because she's like messing around with my husband. Please, <gasps> please don't let that be how this goes. And, you know, luckily, again, spoiler <laughs> alert, it's not Laurie. But I, it was like a great, it's a horrible, what it is is horrible. But at least I was like, okay, at least I'm not playing some scorned wife. Scorned wife. Okay. I mean, we as audience members, we, I had that moment too of like, oh, it's Lori. Right. But I it's- thought that all along the way, I thought it was the cop. I thought it was the the priest. I thought it was the brother. I thought it was the uncle. I thought it was the dad. I thought it was, so yeah. that was the brilliance of the yeah. show, I think, is that every week I was, or for me, every episode, I was sure I knew who did it. And I was always wrong. 
totally, totally. It's also, that is a great example of, of what a limited series is because I feel like it's a film, kind of, but it also still is unfolding in these chapters. That versus something like Criminal Intent, that you can't plot your way towards an endpoint on a show like that, right? You have no idea where it's going. So you're just focused on playing the character in the moment, yes, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Or Masters of Sex or any of these long-term projects. Right. Well, cl- Criminal Intent was different too because for me, mm. so it, it, you know, so much of that show, maybe I would think differently if I went back and watched any of them, but so much of the show felt like I knew who the character was and that was great. And and uh, gosh, it, I felt so lucky to have that job and a film in New York and I had both my kids and like, there was so much great, but I also felt like that was hard just having to ask the questions every week. Not hard. I mean, like in quotes, hard. It just got challenging to just feel like actually the guests were getting to do the like needy work. And I was, ah. and I was like doing the leading, asking questions. Interesting. Almost goes back to the character actor thing of like, yeah. The guests are the character actors and you're the in the leading yes. normal part. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I never thought of it like that, but yes. <laughs> Which is ironic because I feel like a lot of audience members, that's how they know you, is that show. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's very funny to me or interesting to hear where people yeah. saw me or what they know me from. Or- totally. Totally. And you met, so you mentioned this idea of... Um, Reacting, listening, we I, I, we really like asking about chemistry and what it is and how to talk about it. But like, take the big car scene in that last episode. How important is the scene partner? In, is Kate Winslet in that moment? I think a scene partner is hugely important. Uh-huh, uh-huh. For all scenes, especially one like that, where you have to go so deeply to feel like you're being met by someone who wants to go there with you, who will support Mm. you, who is present, who is listening. It's hugely important. But I honestly feel that for for any scene. If you feel like someone's listening, then you really talk to them. I find that so much in acting, people are not listening. They're there. They're showing up. But I feel like they're not really listening. Sure. Because they're nervous, because they don't know their lines, because they're just not paying attention, because they think they have the idea of how it's going to go, regardless of what the other person's going to give them. Mm. Um, it makes it makes so much difference when you feel like someone's listening, and you never know who's going to listen. You never know. <laughs> sure. Sure. Do you ever have that? Like, are you ever, how do you stay present in a scene? Do you ever find yourself out of it, and then you got to get back into it? Of course. Listen. I got to Listen. Yeah. I have to really listen to what that person's saying. And then you have something to work off of. Mm -hmm. So you do rely on a scene partner often. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't actually, because you don't know what you're going to get, but I would like to. (laughs) And even, and even if they're not, you know, even if they're not giving you what you want or what you think they should be doing, or like, even if they're not paying attention, that can serve you in another way. I've had that be like, okay. This is what we're doing. And then it gives, but then that gives you a life, a different kind of a life. It gives you a real feeling, a real something happening inside. Yeah. You can still respond even if the other person is not giving hundred percent organically. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. It's very Meisner. That sounds very Meisner. Yes. I think, uh, I think probably on the page (laughs) it is. Yes. Right. Right. 
This episode of Backstages in the Envelope is brought to you by HBO presenting the hit drama Lovecraft Country. Nominated 18 times at this year's Emmy Awards, including for Outstanding Drama Series, Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama Series for Jonathan Majors, and Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series for Journey Smollett, both friends of this podcast, Lovecraft Country is available to watch now on HBO Max. And so, the car scene, I have to ask about emotion. Just emotion in general. Like, what is <laughs> what is your relationship to it? How does it live in your body? In a scene like that, it, it, you must be experiencing it physiologically. Yes. Yeah. I mean, obviously, no, because luckily nothing like that's ever to that ha- happened to me or anyone I know. So the, mm. uh, the actual fact of it, no. Um, but the experience of, of um, grief, yes. And how many times do you have to do it? We had to do that scene probably, I want to say, four or five times. Okay. Because I'm pretty, from my memory, I think they had cameras on coming on both of us. Thank God, that makes all the difference too. To have you know matched reactions on both sides, I love that. Whenever I I work with this wonderful writer director Matt Newton, and he even though it's tiny movies and not a lot of money, it's very also he encourages improvisation or like happy accidents when things happen. So you, you need two uh, cameras when those things happen, if you want to catch the other side. But I, I love that. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think we probably did that four or five times. And how do you kind of get into it? You, you, you use your imagination. Yes. And, um, and do you rehearse going back to no. the theater? No rehearsal. No. With Kate. No. No, but so I, I, um, she's, she's such an amazing actress and I've known her a long time and I knew, I, I know how much she cares about, about me and about acting and about Mare and Lori and the whole story. Like she felt deeply for all those things. And so I felt like she was the best person to have in that car, to be in that car with. Mm. Um, and I guess it's just, uh, the scene they filmed right before was when I think putting, she was like putting Ryan in the police car or something. And I have a son who's just a little bit younger than Ryan and who's also like a sweet guy. And it's just like the fact of it is just was so, the idea of it was just so um, upsetting. You just kind of have to give into it a little bit. It's like believing the situation. Give in. That's so interesting. Um, uh, we just spoke to Michael Shannon, who I know you know. Um, and And he had a similar like thought about super strong emotions like that like is there a um how do you get out of it after you're done filming do you have to kind of cool down it takes me a minute but not too long you know I'll hold on to it but I think that I've I've learned how to um just try to like just relax and let it go otherwise I'll get more upset like I used to probably when I was younger just like like fall apart and have it be terrible but I know that if I wait a few minutes, it will pass mm. and be okay. Yeah. Though I still, you know, there's certain scenes and certain characters that when I think about them, when I talk about them, I get a little bit like closed throat. So I don't oh, think yeah. it ever goes away entirely. Some of them. Oh, totally. <laughs> do you, um, I mean, do you watch your work? Some, uh, some actors don't. It's less and less. I didn't watch Mare. Okay. Oh no. Okay. Also, also, I, I, I have had the situation where I'll like watch myself crying and I'll start crying. And I feel like that's such a bad look. <laughs> it's like, 
And really what it is is like having the physical remembrance of like being in that scene and like doing that scene. But I feel like it just looks like someone being moved by their own work. So like so such a bad idea. (laughs) But that is so it's proof that it's so physical. And I actually want to ask, too, like how much of character construction is is a walk or is a voice. I know. I have to ask you about accents. Yeah, yeah, accents are so helpful because then it's like already there. It's like already, that's like a gift. If you have to have an accent, that's a gift. Mm. Or if you have to have a different sounding voice, that's a gift. Like um, in I, Tonya. Yeah. Like it, her, I watched Diane <laughs> Rollins. I watched videos of her and she had this like softer voice and she was sort of, so that's such a, that's like, you're already half, not halfway, but like, that's an in to a character. Mm. Um, I think I could do better. I could do more work on creating physicality around certain characters. Sometimes it's, it's worth um, thinking about, but like, for instance, with Lori, I didn't think about how she was in her body. That was like, sure. that was, cause that felt like contemporary, felt like a mom, like that, like her and her physicality felt not far away from me and my physicality. Mm-hmm. But there's other people like Esther Randolph on Boardwalk Empire, where it's like, I felt like she would be buttoned up. She And same with on um, Masters of Sex, like but, yeah. buttoned up. The clothes told a lot of that story, just how women were, were supposed to hold themselves in those times and things like that. Then it's a different... So cool. Different thing. And the clothes. Yeah, I think I already said the clothing. But yeah, then then that's good. And there's, yeah, it's, 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 it's good to think about where the person's been from. And I do that sometimes and not others. Mm. Yeah. Do you ever invent backstory? Yeah, but not, I, I'm, I, I don't have the like, the Bible of that person and where they were from when they were born and all of that. Yeah. I have not done that. Yeah. Sure. It sounds like every role is different. I mean, and the Itania character, I, I, yeah, that's a real person. So that's a completely different approach to like the backstory is there if you want it kind of yeah. thing. Yes. Then it's great. Then the, that's all, that's fun. Then that's just sort of investigation. Yeah. Or um, The Outsider, you mentioned the the book. I mean, is, is the source material something that you're, you're considering as well? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Because oftentimes um, they're not exactly the same. So to sort of get to read and understand the inspiration of where something began can be very helpful. Also, there, yeah, there can be things for your particular character that are in the book that's not mentioned in the yeah. in the scripts because they don't have time, they don't have room, whatever. And it's very that's very helpful. I, I yes, I would always read a book if it's if a story came from a book was an, was an adaptation. Yeah. Yeah, there's just, there's a lot of tools in the tool belt, aren't there? <laughs> yes, yes. And sometimes you don't necessarily know which ones you're going to use it's for true. a given role, it's upcoming very, role. It's very true, yeah. And I, I feel like it all comes back to what you said earlier about, like, you just have to be more comfortable and more, that just comes from experience. It just comes yes. from learning on the job. Yes, like, I like very little embarrasses me now. Whereas in the beginning of my career, like, if I had to dance or if there are certain things that I had to do, I'd be like, dread it. Yeah. Because um, I'd feel shy or insecure. People would think it was silly. And now it's just like, it. How interesting, though, that at the same time, you're not watching your work. You're watching your work less and less. Yes. But that is like, that's like part of that is, um, that's a few things. Part of it's, and this is in no particular order, 
Um, but part of it is like, I feel like when I watch myself, I see certain mannerisms that I don't really, um, I don't find it helpful to like watch myself in any okay. way Yeah. to know things, certain things about like myself. Like for your next job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing is sometimes I just prefer to have the, um, experience remain in my imagination because it's like fuller mm. in my imagination than what I see. Mm. Um, and also part of it, part of it sometimes is just like vanity. Like as you get older, you're just like, I don't need to look sure. at myself like that. Like nobody has to do that. Why should sure. I? <laughs> I don't want to. So, yeah. Though sometimes, you know, some things I am excited to watch and I, I don't, I can't explain like what, Yeah. why, why some right. I want to watch and others I'm like, mm-mm. Totally. This is all so illuminating. I really feel like it's the tenet that every role is different. You've still covered so much ground in how you approach all of these roles. Oh, good, good. <laughs> and I have to ask you about advice now. We are all about the advice. Okay, good. Do you get asked all the time, like, what what kind of advice do you give to the early career aspiring actor types? Well, you know what? I have been asked that before. And um, so early on, I would say... Get in a class, surround yourself with people, a class that makes sense to you, I should say. Cause I, and also if the first one doesn't make sense to you, keep searching yeah. because I went to a few different classes, some that people all loved and I was, yeah. and it, they didn't make sense for me Great. until I found the one that was like, ah, yes, this is how I would like to do it. This is what That's I great. was searching for that I didn't know was there. So if you can find a class that you love, a teacher that you love that can just help you, support you, push you to go deeper, encourage you. And if you're, you can be in a class environment instead of just privates, then you're around other sort of people who are, you can be inspired by them. I had a couple of people in my class. There's one girl who became, who was, I've been great friends with ever since, who, um, she was just so good. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. wow, look what she's doing. Maybe I can try like that. And then you take little bits and pieces of, of what you know, makes you feel something. That's um, and then, you know, I remember we did a showcase, like we put together for ki the kids, like these young adults, we like got four one acts and we rented a space mm -hmm. and printed up the invitations. And, you know, it just, that's experience too. And it just makes you feel like you're doing something. I feel mm -hmm. like it's so easy to just get depressed when you feel like nothing's happening. So if you can, you know, not all the time because I'm not super ambitious in that way. But if you can like be surround yourself with like-minded people, then you can create for yourself and that feels good. Yeah. And then um, also I would say my first manager um, gave me the gift of encouraging me to say no. If okay. I could, like I could, I had a waitress job, so I wasn't depending on, and I had yeah. no dependents. You know, I had like a little apartment for like 400 bucks a month or something that I shared with three other people. So my yeah. my financial needs were not great. So that was covered. But if you can, you know, just in the beginning in particular, do the work that you're excited about, whether it's the role or the director or a scene mm -hmm. partner or the whole story. And if there's nothing that feels good to you in it, then say no and wait for the one that will feel good. That's so great. I think it's very easy. It could be very easy to just, you know, mistake your way down the wrong path. Yeah. Well, and so that's true for early career. Is it also true for for 
quote unquote established actors, like the the you still should be discerning. Definitely no. now now more even more even more so. But I feel mm. like it's expected that once people have a career, but I think you should definitely be discerning the as much as you can the whole way. You know your circumstances change. Now I have a husband and kids and I'm, and you know a life to um, provide for, but. Um, but yes, as as much as you can do the things that speak to you, that yeah. um, you know your your instincts say yes to to, I I would encourage that all the way. Yeah, and it's more about following that passion than it is about like being picky for the sake of being picky. Correct. Yeah. For me, it's all about like it's sort of it's just it's just gut, it's just intuition, it's just what feels like a yes and what feels like a no. Yeah. 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 So cool. Would you um, do anything differently? Like if you could go back in time and give yourself advice? Um, I would probably just like stroke my own brow and say, it's going to be okay. <laughs> in those moments where I really didn't know if it was going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably just say like, it's okay. It's okay. It's going to be okay. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stress and uh, put upon expectations for ourselves. Yeah. Maybe early on. It is. And there's still, I mean, it's still challenging, you know, it's still like trusting what's going to come next, feeling like, mm. oh, that person's writing something for herself and that person's doing that. And meanwhile, I'm like, so it's like putting, as you say, those sort of pressures of like, should I be? It's like, I don't really want to. <laughs> or you know, when when you do, then then grab that moment. I've just gotten with the help mm. of this, of WIP, um, the people who produced Mare, the rights to this book that I'm really excited about. Cause I was finally like, okay, I have to get a little bit proactive, but it's, it's also, it's not all consuming. I, I love my yeah. job. I love acting, but I also have, you know, my life that has nothing to do with those things. Okay. Do you have to take care of yourself? What about your mental health? Yeah, that's probably, that's like 10th on the list. <laughs> that's like... <laughs> Because I feel like artistry in general, but acting in particular, can take a toll on your mental health. I mean, as, as you talked about those emotions. Yeah. So, like, is self-care, yeah, is it on the list? <laughs> I think I probably do it a little bit and just naturally. And also, I have a pretty mm. um, low-stress life and um, a wonderful husband and really great kids. And we're all healthy and all happy. For That's the, great to You hear. know, for the yeah. most part. So, it feels... Um, I feel very lucky to have both. Yeah. It's not always easy, you know, and sometimes it's, it's exhausting and going away is hard and single parenting is hard when the other person is away. And and it's also ever-changing as the kids get older, as we move, as the jobs change, as locations change. So it's, but it's also the life that I know, that we know. So we just make it the best, the best we can. Again, going back to like, you knew what you were signing up for with all this. Yes and no. It was so funny. <laughs> uh, the other day, you know, I met my husband on a on a job like 17 mm-hmm. years ago. And we were, um, he was so cute. And I was just so attracted to him right away. And then I found out that he was also like an amazing man. And um, the other day we were like p- picking up the soccer fields after my son's um, soccer mm-hmm. tournament all weekend. Our team had volunteered to clean up this like massive, like three football fields <laughs> field. And I was like, hey, remember on the set of Marriage? You think we ever would have predicted this as we're walking around in our like blue <laughs> gloves, picking up like, you know, 
apple cores and water bottle caps. I was like, oh, yeah. here we are. <laughs> how weird that, how symbolic that it was called marriage, that pilot. That... Yes. <laughs> yes. He likes to joke the show wasn't picked up, but I was. Uh, but um, yeah. <laughs> Um, this is also wonderful, Julianne. Thank you so much. You are such a good interviewer. What a pleasure. Thank you Thank so you. much. That was really delightful. I mean, talk about the low stress levels. I was this, we, you were immediately so put at ease. This was, I just knew right away, this would be so lovely. So thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. We always ask um, for a favorite performance, but not, but maybe it's more like, what do you think is one film or TV or theater, I suppose, performance that you think every actor should see and study and why? Um, gosh. Well, I will say, like, honestly, anything ever Meryl Streep ever does, like, that, that's too that's too predictable, I know. But um, she's just so... Not predictable at all. It's, it's yeah. perfectly... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically just watch her open her mouth. I... <laughs> Uh, you know, so the, I can't ever do, whenever anyone asks me like for my number one pick of anything, I draw a complete blank, but um, actually yeah. uh, Emily Watson and Wake Breaking the Waves just entered my mind. Like that, mm. that movie destroyed me. I don't, do you, do you ever see that? That Lars von Trier. Yeah. <gasps> Emily Watson. Cool. Wait, that's her name, right? Yeah. 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 Um, in Breaking the Waves. Anyway, it was the film and Emily, I think it was mm. Watson. That was something that was really, I found unbelievably powerful and um, the way, yeah, I'll just say that one. I'll leave it there. That's a great, yeah. yeah. And now I got to go, I got to go look it up. Yeah. It's not a, not a, not lighthearted fair. <laughs> it's pretty grim, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Might be a very telling about, I also just love <laughs> Dustin Hoffman in Tootsie or everyone in Tootsie. That's my, like on the other side of Breaking the Waves. My favorite movie is Tootsie. Great. That's so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that paints a picture of your artistic sensibility. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Put those on both ends. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Julianne. Do you have any parting words of wisdom for our listeners? Um, be nice to yourself. Mm. We all need to hear that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I right. need to hear that. Yeah, be nice to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. is recorded at Lotus Productions and Hyperbolic Audio in New York City and Soundbox LA, Mark Rouse Studios, and Buzzies in Los Angeles. Thanks as always to our producer extraordinaire, Jamie Muffet, and to the team at Backstage, Samantha Sherlock, Mark Stinson, Caitlin Watkins, and of course, Casey Howe. Visit Backstage.com and don't forget, you can subscribe to Backstage by using the code ENVELOPE at checkout for a free trial. That's right, 100% free. For more exclusive content, join us on Facebook and Twitter at In The Envelope and subscribe, share, and leave a comment. Would you like us to interview next? Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time for another glimpse in the envelope.